James chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith and does not have works? Can that faith save him? Now, God has called us to live by faith. We are saved by faith, and the Christian life is a life of faith. In Matthew chapter 21, verse 22, Jesus said, whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive. But that's not all. You will receive if you have faith. So our prayers are heard and answered. Our prayers are effective, not because of our big words, our long speeches, but because of our faith. And nothing we do without faith will be fully pleasing to God, according to Hebrews 11, verse 6. Many Christians understand the value of faith. They know the necessity of faith, but they're not exactly sure what faith is. They struggle to define what faith is. Faith is confidence in God. Faith is accepting God's word as true even in the face of contradictory evidence. In other words, you need to know God's word is true even when it seems like it's not working right now. Faith is acting like the Bible is true. When I say acting, I don't mean pretending. I mean having action, walking it out, living it. Amen? Many years ago, I had an older uh, electric guitar amplifier that I wanted to sell. And so I went to a local music store and uh, the shopkeeper agreed to buy it from me on a, a, a certain price. I think it was like $500 actually. And as he handed me the money, I said to him, don't you want to test the amplifier? It's, it's old, you know. Don't you want to try it out? Don't you want to make sure it works properly? And he said to me, well, I'll ask you, does it work? And I said, yes, it does. And he said, well, that's good enough for me. I'll take your word for it. And later on, as I was studying on the subject of faith, I wanted to know, this, this was many years ago, but I really wanted to know what faith is. The Lord brought that incident in the music store back to my memory and it showed me, see, that's a good example of faith. See, this, this shopkeeper who, who doesn't even know me, I'm a total stranger to him, took my word for it. And if I was being dishonest, it would cost him dearly. Amen? I'll take your word for it. Faith is taking God's word for it. Faith is acting on the word of God. Amen? We read in the Bible that Jesus borrowed Peter's boat as a platform to preach from. After he was finished, he said to Peter in Luke chapter 5, verse 4, take the boat into the deep water and lower your nets to catch some fish. That's so nice. You know, Jesus is so nice. He, if he borrows your boat, he wants to pay for it. Because Peter's a fisherman. I told you this before, but you need to listen anyways. Peter's a fisherman because, you know, catching fish is just like money in the pocket for him, right? Hallelujah. But Peter explained to the Lord that he and his partners had been fishing all night long and caught nothing. 
They're tired. They're exhausted. And they want to go home. And I'm sure Peter would have been tempted to think, Jesus, you're a great preacher. You know, you're, I mean, you do miracles, but you're not a fisherman. And this is my job. This is, this is my profession. And, uh, and, I, and I, I'm not a novice. I've been fishing all my life. So uh, it's nice of you to say that, but you don't know what you're talking about. But instead, he said to Jesus in verse 5, but at your word, I will let down the nets. There's no logical reason to do this. It really doesn't make any sense. It defies human reasoning. But I'm going to do what you have said simply because you said so. Hallelujah. Amen. The Ryu translation says this. I will take your word for it and lower the nets. That's what faith is, taking God's word for it. Now, Peter could have said, Lord, you know that I believe. I believe in miracles. I believe, Lord. You know that I have strong faith, Lord. I'll never doubt you. If you say it, I know that it's true. He could have said that a thousand times. He could have sang a song about faith. All things are possible, boo -boo. The other, The other fishermen could have joined with him, you know, backup singers. <laughs> they could have danced all up and down the beach that day. But nothing happened until he acted on the word of God. Faith is more than confidence in the heart. It is an act of obedience. Peter went into the deep water, cast his net, and caught two boatload of fish. Net-breaking, boat-sinking load of fish. And by the way, that shows us something about the nature of God. He's not a stingy God. He's not a cheap God. He's not a barely-get-along God. He's a more-than-enough kind of God. Hallelujah. Notice James 2.14 again. What good is it if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Now, the word works in this context, does not necessarily mean doing good deeds. Although it could mean that, but it's certainly not limited to that. It basically means action. Action. One translation says this, What good is that if he does not do anything? If he does not do anything. So faith is not just something you have. Faith is something you do. I said, faith is something you do. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting how many people boast about how much faith they have, but if you look at what they do, it's not much. Amen? A real believer is a doer of the word. That's the reason people don't act on the word. They don't really fully believe it. They believe it on paper, but not in reality. The New Living Translation says this, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions. Later in the same chapter, it's not in my notes, but later in the same chapter, actually verse 18 of the same chapter, James said this, show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. That's verse 18. Notice he said, show me your faith without your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. 
Show me your faith. Show me your faith. Your faith needs to be demonstrated. Faith can be observed, not just in words, but also in action. Faith is not knowledge. Maybe you've been in this church for many years. Maybe you've heard this sermon before. Maybe you've heard many teachings on the subject of faith, but that doesn't mean you have any faith. It's not just knowing Bible verses. That's not faith. Now, you can't have faith without knowledge, but knowledge is not faith. Faith is an attitude of the heart and an act of obedience. It's having confidence that what God said is true, regardless of the circumstances, and it is stepping out and obeying the voice of God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Again, another translation says this, what good is it if someone claims to have faith but has no actions to prove it? Prove it. Prove you have faith. Your outward actions prove an inward confidence. Amen. It's real quiet in this church today. Amen. One more translation. We could just, we could just spend the whole afternoon reading different translations. Weymouth translation says this, yet his actions do not correspond. The word correspond means match. See, many people, they know the lingo, especially if they've been in church for, for some time. They know the, the dialogue. They, they know the jargon. They know the appropriate sounding words. Praise the Lord. Oh, glory. Hallelujah. Oh, yes, I'm believing. Are you believing? Oh, yes, I'm believing. Amen, amen, amen. They know, they know how to say what sounds appropriate, but their actions don't match. And James says, what good is it? And the understanding is, it ain't good. It doesn't matter. Hallelujah. Amen. So the story goes, and I'm not sure if this story is true or not. I mean, someone told this to me. Maybe it is. There was an exhibitionist, a man who performs uh, death-defying stunts, you know, for a living, and he stretched a thin wire across the crest of Niagara Falls. It's a giant waterfall in uh, the, can the border of Canada and America. And a crowd gathered as this man stretched this thin wire across the crest from one side of the waterfall to the other, one side of the river to the other side. And then he produced a bicycle. And people with great interest, you know... Uh, wondered what he was going to do. And he announced to the crowd on either side of the, of, the, of the waterfall, I'm going to ride my bicycle on this wire across Niagara Falls. Not a road, not a, not a rope bridge, a wire, a wire, you know. And he said to the people, do you want to see me do it? And they all said, yeah. Then he said, but I need to know something. Do you believe that I can make it. This is just natural faith. This is not faith in God. Do you believe that I can make it across the, uh, the crest of Niagara Falls, riding a bicycle on a little wire? Do you believe I can make it? They said, yes, yes, we believe. <sighs> we believe. <sighs> and he saw one man in the crowd. He said, you there, sir. He said, me? Yes, you. Do you believe that I can ride this bicycle across Niagara Falls on this little wire? And the man said, yes, sir, I believe. Do you really believe? Yes, I believe. 
great. Come up here and get on the bicycle with me. And the man said, nope, I don't believe. You're going to die. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's exactly how it is with many, many Christians. They're so quick to say, amen, amen, amen. Now it's time to act. And the guns of Navarone go silent. They just, they just try to hide somewhere because they don't have corresponding actions. Faith works on the principle of risk and reward. Faith operates on the principle of risk and reward. Peter took a risk. If he takes his boat back to the middle of the Sea of Galilee and casts his net and doesn't catch anything, he's wasted his time. He's going to have to rewash his nets. He's, he's going to be late going home. Huh? He's going to be frustrated. So there's a risk involved. Faith is taking a risk. So if you are risk aversion, if you have a risk aversion, if you have a fear of taking risks, you'll never be a man of faith. But because God is completely trustworthy, it is a calculated risk. Amen. We're not talking about blind faith. I'm not talking about just believing anything you want to believe. I'm talking about responding to the word of God with confident action. Amen. Praise the Lord. Now, again, my point is it's amazing how many church people know all about faith but actually demonstrate very little faith. Come on, it's amazing. And I had another thing happen to me. So our family, several years ago, we, we took a little vacation in America, and uh, a friend of ours had a cabin uh, in, um, in a resort area in the mountains of Virginia, which is my home state. And uh, it's actually a ski resort, but it was summertime, so they don't have any snow for skiing. But they had other uh, things to do there, like swimming and that type of thing. And included in the activities was a zip line. A zip line. I'll explain it. So uh, my son Ryan, you know, wanted to do that. So me and him, we went to this place, and it was like a little, little building at the, at, the, at the base of a mountain. And there was a loading zone. And we had to go there and read these instructions and sign a paper and this type of thing. And printed on the wall were certain rules about this zip line. You know, be, you know we're not responsible for your death. <laughs> you know, you have to follow these rules and, and, and so forth and so on. And you can't be drunk and so forth. And one of the rules right there in big letters, it said, you know, you, you have to be under a certain weight. You, if you're overweight, the certain weight, I don't remember what it was, you know, you can't do this. Well, I'm looking at that, that rule, right, that one rule. It just seemed to, like the handwriting on the wall. I saw that, and, um, and I thought, oh, that's kind of like, that's like real close. And so they even weighed us. They had a scale there. And, uh, you know, Ryan really wants to do this, and, and I'm thinking, you know, so I kind of I put like one foot, like, you know, you know, kind of like not on the scale like that and try to get the number just slightly, just slightly down a little bit, you know. 
The other day I was standing on a bathroom scale, like a little scale has a little dial, you know, you step on it. Like, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, right? And I sucked in my gut like that. And my wife said, that's not going to change the number. And I said, no, I have to do that to read the number. <laughs> so, um, so then we went to this little area and they made us put on this vest with all of these latches and stuff and strapped in like that. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm not even sure I want to do this. I'm really starting to think this is not a good idea. I, did, I thought it would be just something, a little fun thing. And then they, they, uh, we had to uh, walk up this incline to like the top of a mountain. It wasn't super tall, but you know, it was like the side of a mountain. We had to walk up this incline through these steps and everything. And we came to this uh, launching zone and there was, there was two thick cables that stretched from the top of that, of that side of that mountain down to the, back to the, to the valley. And so they hooked us up, you know, and then they just said, okay, all I got to do is just you, just, you just step off the edge there and the cave, you're hooked up to the cable and you go, so we did that. And you know, um, the law of physics dictates that since I was heavier, I went faster than everybody else. <laughs> it's just Newton's law, I guess. And uh, so then we, we went whizzing down. It was kind of fun. Just, down, down the mountain, and then we landed at this platform that, which was which was up in the air. It was about is about is higher than the balcony, I think. It was maybe maybe like the ceiling or something like that. And we landed, and there was a man there who saw me coming, and he worked there, and he's going to catch me. And I just knocked him over, and you know. <laughs> anyway, he earned his salary that day, and so. Um, then they, they unhooked me from the cable, and he said, okay, you come with me. And, and then we went to the edge of this platform. It's like a three-story wooden uh, platform. Like I said, it's about as, maybe as high as the ceiling or something like that. You people on the balcony can appreciate this story better than these people down here. So, um, so uh, then there, he, he took my vest, and he hooked it up to this little nylon cord, little thin, little nylon cord, not a thick metal cable like I just came on, little thin nylon cord, and, that, and that, that nylon cord came out of a small little pulley, I mean like a little thing, like a little plasticky thing like that big, and he hooked me up, and he, I don't know why he said this, I mean I didn't tell him I was a pastor or anything like that, but he said, now it's time for the trust test. <laughs> what? It's time for the trust test, and I said, what do you mean? He said, step off the platform. And like, I mean, I looked way down there. And I looked at that little thin, little thin, little thing. And I remembered, you know, how I stepped on one foot when they weighed me. And I thought, like, they don't know. I'm overweighed, you know. And, uh, and, uh, and I said to him, uh, is there another way down? Nope. <laughs> like, is, can I climb down? Nope. You just have to step out. Is this going to hold me? Oh, yeah. No problem. And I sat down. I, I sat down on the, on the edge like that. I, I was thinking maybe I could sort of climb down. It was way up there, you know. And, uh, and, and I looked down. I thought about it. And I could just see my dead body on the ground down there. I could just see my family reading about it in the newspaper. So uh, me, Pastor John, great man of faith that I am, I said, I refuse. <laughs> 
I'm not going. No thanks. I'm not going. And he said, you'll be fine. I said, nope, nope. And then that rascal, he pushed me. And I went, Geronimo! But you know what? Uh, I was fine. I made it just like he said and lived to tell about it. Praise the Lord. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I think that that's what faith feels like. That's what it feels like. It feels like stepping out of the boat to walk on water with nothing under your feet but the word of God. And let's be honest, 11 men stayed in the boat, and the majority of Christians will not take that risk. No thanks, I'll just stay here in the boat. I'm not alone here, I'm in the majority here. You know, it's, there's a storm out there. I'll just stay in the boat, it's nice and comfortable here, and walk on water with Jesus. You know, I'll, I'm glad that I'm here to witness this miracle, but I'm going to be a spectator today. I'm not going to be a participant. And um, I'll just stay here where it's safe and comfortable and boring. But if you want to live a miraculous life, if you want to walk on water, the first step is you have to get out of the boat. And most people won't do that. Amen. Let me read this again. James 2.14. Are you still here today? Some of you, I'm not sure if you are or not. Some of you look like a photograph. <laughs> and not a very good likeness either. <laughs> James 2.14 says this, What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? And the un understood answer to that question is no, it can't. However, James did not say, notice carefully, he did not say in verse 14, can faith save him? He said, can that faith save him? What he means is, can that kind of faith produce any results in our life? And the answer is no. Well, what kind of faith is he talking about that doesn't produce results? Notice verse 17, jump down to verse 17. So also faith by itself if it does not have works, is dead. The Good News Bible says, so it is with faith. If it is alone and includes no actions, then it is dead. You know, if your faith never moves, it must be dead. Now, I've heard stories about, you know, grandpa was in the bed, you know, all day and all night, and everybody just checked on him. Well, I guess he's resting. And after like three or four days, somebody touched him and said, hey, he's dead. <laughs> I mean, no, that's not funny, but, you know, I think some people, that's exactly how their faith is. It hasn't moved in a long, long time. The last time their faith moved was 1987. Somebody touched, somebody, we need to bring in the cadaver dogs to sniff and see whether they're still alive or not. It's dead. And if your faith doesn't move you, it will never move God. It will never move the hand of God. Hallelujah. So dead faith is worse than no faith. I said dead faith is worse than having no faith. I'd rather not have a dog than to have a dead dog. 
Who wants a dead dog? Well, you don't have to feed it, I guess. <laughs> but it, it just, it, what's the point of having a dead dog? What's the point of having dead faith? Dead things should be buried. Come on, some people, we, we need to have a, a, a ceremony today, a funeral service for your faith. Because it died back in 1994. It's never, it, we need a resurrection real quick. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. No, it's living faith that receives from God. And when people say, oh, I know this already. Oh, I know this already. Uh, yes, I know those verses already. Oh, please, Brother John, I've heard this a thousand times. That's dead faith talking. That is dead, stinking faith. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Living faith receives from God. But dead faith is really fake faith. I said it's fake faith. John Wesley was the founder of the Methodist Church, and he said this. He said, the devil has given to the church a substitute for faith. Duplicate faith. Huh? A substitute for faith that looks and sounds so much like the real thing, most people can't tell the difference. And he said, many people, they only mentally agree. He called it mental assent. They just mentally agree that the Bible is God's word, but that's not enough. I said, that's not enough. We must personally be persuaded to act on the word of God. When we're doers of the word and not forgetful hearers, then we'll reap the benefits. So again, we're not talking about faith or works like just doing good deeds. We're not talking about faith and works, although we should have good works, don't misunderstand me. But what we're talking about is faith that works. So if it doesn't work, what's the point? When I was a boy, uh, there was a, in my neighborhood, in like my colony, there was one man and he had a British racing green colored Jaguar E-type which is a beautiful sports car from like the 1960s. And it was like a, like a, a V12 engine, you know, it's like amazing. And I saw that, I don't, I'm, I'm like 12 years old, I'm riding my bike and I would just drool over that car, you know. I would just like, man, one day I wanna have something like that. It was just a beautiful car, sleek, you know. It, it looked like the kind of car you would get a speeding ticket even if you were parked. Just looks fast, just sitting there, you know. And, uh, and, and every day I would drive by and see that car and you know, think, wow. And of course, you know, my mom drives this big old station wagon, like Cleopatra's barge, you know, this ugly, slow, dumb thing. But I saw that sports car and I thought, man, I'd love to have that. But then it dawned on me after weeks that that car never moved. I never, I, I never saw it move out of its spot because I found out later, it doesn't work. <laughs> and British racing cars are like that. They're real difficult to work on. It didn't work. It just, it just looked pretty, but it doesn't go anywhere. That's exactly like some Christian's faith. It sounds pretty, it looks pretty, but it doesn't go anywhere because it doesn't work. Amen. Hallelujah. What's the point of having a vehicle that never works? What's the point of having faith that never produces any results? You'd be better off 
selling that beautiful, sleek sports car and get some old, ugly auto rickshaw. At least you can go somewhere. Come on, nobody says your faith has to look pretty. I said, nobody said your faith has to look pretty. Sometimes faith looks ugly. Hmm? Sometimes it don't feel so comfortable, but it gets results. In John chapter 4, in John chapter 4, we read about a man. His son was sick at home, and he came to meet Jesus because he wanted Jesus to accompany him to minister healing to his son. In fact, John 4, 47 says the boy was at the point of death. So this is serious. So he said to Jesus, please come, come to my house. And Jesus answered him in verse 48, unless you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. Wow, I'm sure that wasn't the response he was expecting. And in the voice translation says this, Jesus said, my word is not enough. You only believe when you see miraculous signs. Now the word you in this verse is in the plural in the Greek language. So he really doesn't just mean that man. He's really speaking in general about the Jewish people. And this is not just a statement of fact. Unless you see signs and wonders, you won't believe. That's not just a statement. Jesus is bemoaning the fact that they won't believe, that his word is not enough for them. When you have faith, his word is all you need. And you don't require any further proof. And let me tell you, most of the time, no further proof will be given either. Isn't it amazing that when it comes to accepting the word of a man, often we, we have no trouble receiving that. If the doctor gives us a diagnosis, we just, we just accept it without, without question. Hmm? If the lawyer tells us, you know, the situation, we just, we just, we just assume that that's, that's the truth, right? Huh? Anybody else like that? We, you know, uh, whoever asks, we just accept a, sci a word of a scientist. Well, we just assume that that's true. But when it comes to God's word, oh, uh, if the Bible's really true, if this, word, if this promise is really true, then I really need Jesus to appear to me tonight in a vision. I need an angel to come and, and tell me so. No, you don't. His word is all you need. You don't require any further proof. And I tell you, most of the time, none will be given. You can, so here's the deal. When you believe the Bible, it works for you. When you don't, it won't. So if it's not working for you, it's not God's fault. I said, if it's not working for you, if you're not seeing results, then check up on your believing. Maybe you've got a pretty Jaguar in, in, parked in front of your house, but it doesn't work. Amen. Hallelujah. So then Jesus said to this man in verse 50, go, your son will live. The Weymouth translation says this, your son has recovered. Woo. The word of God challenges us. Come on, it does more than console us or educate us. It challenges us. The word that Jesus said to that man, that challenged him. 
your son is healed. And the word of God calls for a response. What are you going to do now? What are you going to do? Jesus is, you're standing in front of Jesus, and he's telling you your son is healed. But how do you know? The boy's back home, some miles away. How do you know? But the Bible says the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and went on his way. If you accept God's word is true, even when it does not appear to be so, you will act upon it. Because this man believed that his son was healed, he turned around and he walked back home. And I'm sure he had all kinds of thoughts coming to his mind. You know, my family sent me to get Jesus, to bring him. And if I return without Jesus and the boy dies, my wife will never forgive me. My family will hold it against me forever. People, people, the people that, that know me will say I'm a fool. You mean you actually met him and then you didn't bring him back? I'm sure all kinds of thoughts like that must have been running through his mind. But Jesus said, he's healed. So I'm going back. I'm going to act on that word. And as he was on the way, his servants met him and told him, your son lives. In fact, he, he didn't even have to go all the way home. God met him halfway. If you'll just act in faith, if you'll begin to step out in faith, God will meet you there. God will meet you halfway. Hallelujah. And, and they inquired when, and he found out the very moment that Jesus said, your son lives here, over there, the fever left. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Faith acts. Faith acts. God requires faith. So therefore, many times when we have a need in our life and we pray, God will turn around and give us instructions. All right, do this. And when we obey him, we do what he said, the results are forthcoming. So from now on, it will help you. Whenever you hear the word faith, think obedience. Whenever you hear the word faith, think obedience. Obedience to God's word. So we could say this. Without obeying the word of God, it's impossible to please him. Or all things are possible to the one who obeys the word of God. Or whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you obey the word of God. Obey not out of a slavish duty, like legalistically, but out of a confident assurance that it's true. Act like it's so. Faith is acting like the Bible is true. And it is true. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me to your feet this morning?